0: They tried to stop my shine, but I said, hold up. Y'all know how many hoes done tried to hold this hoe up?
1: Tokyo Talk music.
0: December makes me think of Santa, ho, ho, ho And Beyonce dropped the album with blow, blow, blow You know that tis the season for forgiveness and life And rockin' Christmas music all day and night ha, ho, 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 I'm back Ho, 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 I'm back Hello, how you doin'? It's the holidays, how you doin'? Hello, it's the holidays. How you doing? How you doing? Hello, everybody. It is me, Craig Seymour, back again. Welcome to a holiday edition of Craig's Pop Life, a black gay podcast. I am your host, Craig Seymour. But you know me, I've been writing about pop music, black music, all types of different music um, for more than 20 years now. You can read much of my work at rnbeing.com um, plus in the new year, I plan to put out a collection of my writing, um, since some of y'all don't be going to the website, I understand, some of y'all like, to, you know, just be like, I understand, I mean, I would like to read my shit, you know, just flipping back in the chair, flipping, flipping, I not have to worry about, you know, your battery life, plugging shit in, the screen life, whatever, no, I can understand, so to serve all of our needs, I plan to put out a book collection of my writing, in the new year, on my own imprint, Craig's Pop Life Publishing. Please check the Black Entrepreneurship. Thank you very much. Um, but until that time, I already got some books out, as many of y'all know, because a lot of y'all are very supportive, and I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart, especially at Christmas time. But anytime, I appreciate y'all. I got the biography, Luther, the Life and Longing of Luther Vandross. It truly makes a great Christmas gift for the Luther lover in your life. I know that this podcast is coming kind of late because... I kept putting it off and having all sorts of stuff to do. So I don't even know if you ordered it. I guess if you ordered it right now, you probably could still get it prime in time for Christmas. But you could definitely get somebody the ebook. You could get them the audio book. Or you could just tell them that the the print book is on its way. You know what I mean? Everything is – we live in such a rush times and days. You know, it's okay to give somebody – you know how you used to do it sometimes? Like if something was out of stock or something, you maybe just photocopy or print out the cover or something, and, like, put in a little envelope with the cards. Yeah, you know, there are all sorts of ways you can give the gift. All I'm saying, for the Luther lover in your life that does not have this particular biography of Luther Vandross written by me, there are multiple ways to still give it as a Christmas gift, and I'm sorry I'm coming at y'all so late. Um, who's not a Luther fan at this time of year, because I know y'all are rocking the Luther Christmas album, one of the best Christmas albums, and I really have to say, you know, um, As a Lutherologist by trade, um, you know, I'm not always like a Luther single person, like, you know, the single... Other than like starting with not too much. I mean, you know, it's like I like more of the ballads, album tracks and stuff like that. But I have to say every year, every Christmas is just a really, really beautiful song. Like he really nailed that. It's the perfect single. You know, you got the video of him walking through the snow. I really think that's a nice moment. So, you know, I know we're listening to Lutha. So anyway, you know, read a little up about him and you'll find out when that Christmas album came in the midst of his career and whatnot and what have you. So there's that. Um... And on that note, um, you can also check out my memoir about being a grad school stripper hoe, All I Could Bear, My Life in the Strip Clubs of Washington, D.C. And hell, that makes a good gift for the strip club lover in your life or the strip club lover in you. Cheaper than a lap dance, y'all. So there's that. Um... Or you can pick up my novel about three generations of black gay men looking for love. And that's called Who's Your Daddy? Makes a great little holiday read. I know y'all have to go on your little travels and stuff like that. And I honestly have to say, you know, people sometimes ask me, like, what I'm most proud of doing, What I whatever, you know. And I'm not more proud of one book than another kind of book or anything like that. I, I mean, there's no way to really do that. Um, but one thing I am particularly proud of is the audiobook of my novel, Who's Your Daddy? And the reason I say that is because the way I write is like everything comes to me. Um the words come to me like spoken in a certain way. Um you know the song like from the color purple maybe God's trying to tell you something. Well God tell me a whole lot. God tell me my whole books, okay? And they're spoken in a very certain kind of way and with a very certain kind of rhythm. And I try to the best of my ability to capture that through the written word, but, um, you know, when I write something down and people read it, I have no control over how they're kind of hearing it in their head or anything like that. But for me, the, um, Who's Your Daddy audiobook, that's the thing that I've done that it really, like, the audiobook sounds exactly as I heard the words in my head. So I just think that that in particular is, like, not that I'm saying I'm more proud of that than anybody else, any, than any other project, but just, like... I'm very proud of that just because it really represents exactly how I, um, hear things and the kind of rhythm that, because everybody has a kind of writing style and everything like that. And I think the way I write is pretty much the same through all my books, fiction, nonfiction, stripping, singing, whatever I'm writing about. So, um, you know, I think that really captures kind of, um, something very specific about my writing process and just about the way that I hear things. So that's why, um, you know, I love the Who's Your Daddy audiobook, and that's something you can also listen to while you're on your holiday travels. Hey, you can get you an audi- audible, um, you can get you an audible free trial. Download the book. I think they kick me an extra coin or something if somebody downloads one of my books as one of their first books amongst their trials. i get you a little trial, then you know, download the book shoot, I, not, I'm not telling you to cancel the subscription, but if you find that whatever you need to cancel it within that trial period, you know, that's your business. But I'm just saying there are multiple ways to get the Who's Your Daddy audiobook, and it does make a nice little, you know, you driving or if you, um you know, travel. For some reason, I can't really read a lot. I can't read long things on a plane, but I can read magazines and stuff, and I can also listen to audiobooks. So, All that to say, I'm just trying to give you options. It's been a while since I've touched pace with you, and I just, you know, I miss y'all so much out here in podcast land. And I'm just trying to, you know, just trying to communicate, just trying to give you options, just trying to let you know what's on my mind. You know what I mean? So anyway, um, there's that. And also, lastly, um, I am still working on my forthcoming special The Life and Art of Janet Jackson Um, I hope to get that to you sooner than later. Like I said, y'all, it's a process, you know, but like Luther wrote for Rita, I'm doing it till I get it right. And until it's right, it ain't going to be out, but you know, it's right-ish and it's on the right path. You know what I'm saying? It just takes time to fulfill the vision. Um, But like I think everybody's gonna be really pleased. So I'm very pleased with the way it's going and look for that in 2020. Um so let me see. Now I'm looking down at my notes. I apologize. I'm doing this from a remote location, and where I'm doing this particularly has a um has a metal roof and it's pouring down raining. So if you hear a lot of noise, like rain noise, and you think, oh, what's going on? Does that is that rain? Yes, it is rain, and it's rain that's on the Woof, so I apologize if there's any um excess noise because of that. But I'm back. I know I said I was taking a little time off so I could really um so I could really focus on the book, but I just could not let the season pass without um, you know, talking to y'all because it's holiday times and I particularly love I'm a Christmas music fanatic, you know. I'm just one of those people, it's an obsession, um, you know, it's something that goes back to when I was really a little boy. At back to times, like, growing up in, like, the um, 70s and stuff, and even the 80s, it's like, you ain't hear Christmas music like you hear now where the Christmas music starts damn near Halloween time. You know, you haven't taken off your mask good, and you're hearing jingle bells, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, Your Halloween mask. And the other thing about Christmas music that's so different nowadays is that, You didn't hear, like, you know, like, black Christmas music and, like, kind of anything other than just the real traditional white people's Christmas and really generic singer, that kind of music when you were out at the grocery store and stuff like that. You weren't hearing James Brown when you went grocery shopping in the 70s and 80s and stuff like that. So, when I was growing up, like my little 45s of Donnie Hathaway's this christmas like that was a cherished little 45 cuz you know and even black radio like black radio wasn't playing christmas music all through december you know you would start hearing more of it more more of it as you got closer to christmas and then christmas day you know it'd be like 24 hours of christmas but then the day you know midnight the 26th, they cut that stuff off so it really was not like now where you're just so saturated with um being able to get a lot of Christmas music um so I mean so I like I said I had my Donnie Hathaway this Christmas back in the 70s 80s that was not considered a Christmas staple like that truly was something. I think I was well into grad school before I knew a white person that even knew about a Donny Hathaway this Christmas you know where now is considered like a Christmas standard but that just was not the way it was when I grew up um Another thing I used to love, another one of my little 45s, like I had a special little, um, I know they kind of are re-releasing these type of things. Oh, I know what y'all know. You know the Merry Box of Singles? Like I had a bunch of like those little uh, boxes, you know, so I had one specially de- um, designated Christmas box, okay? So in that, I would have like my Donny Hathaway. And I also really, really loved um, Paul McCartney's Wonderful Christmas Time because it was the early 80s and I was in love with anything um you know, electronics. So I love those little synthesizers and everything like that. Y'all, I'm talking mad fast. I need to take a little sip of this here water. I'm drinking water and I got, um, did y'all know they made pink Starbucks, Star- Starbucks, pink Starburst water? I was at the Walmart and saw, I like the you know, little pourings that you have for your water. I said, pink Starburst, Freddie. Right? Who doesn't like a pink Starburst? So let me have a sip of my pink Starburst water. Hold on for that. So anyway, um, one of my biggest, one of a a really big Christmas music moment, one that had a real big effect on me, um, was definitely the 1984 release of Do They Know It's Christmas? You know, the charity single that all the British pop stars did. You know, they called themselves Band-Aid, and it was recorded for Ethiopian famine relief. I think I've talked before um, about how I was... As a teenager, I was obsessed with New Wave because this was, like, the early and mid-80s when R&B was, like, mad, kind of buttoned up and conservative. And New Wave and British Pop really gave me a space to kind of begin exploring my queerness, you know? And so to have so many of my faves on one joint was just mind-blowing. You know, you got your boy George. You got Holly Johnson from Frankie Goes to Hollywood. You got Savon, Sarah and Karen of the original Bananarama, the only lineup that I personally acknowledge. Um, and it also had Boy George's gender-bending pal, Marilyn, the one who used to date um, cute-ass Gavin Rosdell, pre-Bush, you know, before he went grunge and before he got with Gwen Stefani. So all that history was up on that record. And just as a side note, because, you know, if you've listened to any of my podcasts before, you know... I'm about nothing if not a sidebar. Um, Shout out to Marilyn. Like, do y'all really know Marilyn? Do y'all go deep with Marilyn? Because Marilyn really had, was another white boy with a really nice, soulful voice, like, you know, boy George was, and he always had some sisters, you know, wailing on the backgrounds, you know, the whole group of women that would sing on, like, um, you know, with Elvis Costello and people like that, you know. um, I think Karen Wheeler was a part of that. Background Singing Collective for a while. But anyway, you definitely should know certain Maryland joints like Baby You Left Me in the Cold and Crying Be Free. So I'm going to post them on the Craig's Pop Life website. They don't got nothing to do with Christmas other than Maryland is singing them and Maryland is also part of the Band-Aid Project. And I do think that people should know about Maryland because I do think Maryland was really a cool-ass person back in the day, a cool-ass artist back in the day. But anyway, um, the most significant participant on the Band-Aid record, for me, was definitely Jodi Watley. I've talked about many times before on the podcast. uh, Because I could see myself in her. Because, again, you know, we're talking about at a time when black respectability politics really had a chokehold on black pop culture. Including music, you know. But even on TV, like the Cosby Show had just premiered in that fall. This was 1984. But Jody really represented so much possibility for me because she came, you know, from a thoroughly black background, soul trained up through Shalimar and everything else. But, you know, here I was with the Band-Aid Project, seeing her out there in these London streets, looking, flying her streetwear, hanging with the cool New Wave kids. And, you know, just seeing that just really open up my whole ass mind in terms of, like, who I could be and where I could go in the world as a little black boy from D.C. So that was just really special to see Jody in that context. And, of course, I've done a whole ass um, episode on Jody. I'll put a link to it. If you haven't checked that out, I'll put a link to it on the website. But... um So, you know, I've done that tribute, but I also really have to thank her for this Band-Aid moment because it really did have a deep effect on me to see, you know, this Black woman who I'd grown up idolizing, you know, completely in a Black context, kind of fraternizing, so to speak, or just hanging with all these new wave people that i had only recently... Discover so it was just a really cool kind of merging of worlds and um, just kind of helping me make sense of a lot of different strains that were developing within me. So thank you, Jody, for that. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being out there in those London streets. Thank you for being fashionable. Thank you for being fly. Thank you for making that music. So anyway, I'm um, shout out to Jody Watley. Hope she's having a great holiday. Um. Now, my next big Christmas music memory that I'm going to share really has no social significance <laughs> whatsoever. So I'm going from something that truly, you know, kind of helped shape the person who I am today to something that just was kind of funny. But <laughs> it is what it is, and that's the we we switch gears here on the. Um, Craig's Pop Life, a podcast. But anyway, this was just a particularly awkward kind of moment, but I just always think of, I think of it every Christmas because I happen to listen to this artist every Christmas, and I can't listen to this artist without thinking of this particular anecdote. All right. Okay. So y'all still with me? Okay. So um, as I may have stated before, Stephanie Mills is one of my all-time favorite vocalists. I actually saw her on Broadway in the original production of The Wiz and became obsessed with her and, you know, followed her all throughout the early flop albums. Um, You know, the, like, 1975s moving in the right direction, which, damn, nobody ever heard of. But um, if my memory serves me, and it's been a while since I've read my own damn book, but I think Luther's um, background on that album. So I followed her on that, and through the um, equally hitless Motown years... Until she got to the fire, 20th Century Fox years, and collaborated with James M. Tume and Reggie Lucas. You know, all the songs, all the songs that y'all know, um... What you gonna do with my lovin'? And just everything and everything and everything. But my favorite album of that actually was probably the least commercially successful. It's 1981's um, Stephanie. So I'll put a link to that. But it just—it's one of the. It was their last collaboration, and I just feel like even though it didn't have any hits, it really just shows just like the peak of what they were able to accomplish as a collaborative team. And it has all—you know—not only is it the um, Mtume, Lucas, Stephanie. It has all the just the dope background singers, the Brenda White Kings, the Tawathas, the Luther. So it's just a brilliant album to me. Again, it's 1981 Stephanie. I'll put a link to it. Um, so check that out. And also at the time, this is, you know, even though things will be random on the podcast, I will say, you know, around around that time, Stephanie was um married to Jody Watley's former Shalimar member, Jeffrey Daniel, as any regular reader of Ebony, Jet, Blackbeat, or write-on would know. Um, so, anyway, this is going on way too long for me to set up with the point I'm trying to make. So, hold on, let me get some of my pink Starbucks water. Hold on. All right. So, cut to the year is 1991. All right. And Stephanie was coming off a string of hits. She had gone from 20th Century Fox, Polygram, Casablanca. She had gone from those folks. And now she was signed to M- MCA, which was like the hottest black label of the time. She was just having hit, 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 hit. I've learned to respect the power of love. Um, personally, if it's not the full six-minute and something version of that song, I don't want to ever hear it. It's kind of like listening to the album version of Beyonce's Get Me Bodied. So, But that was a big hit. But again, don't play it unless it's a six-minute version. She had I Feel Good All Over. She had You're Putting a Rush on Me. A New York radio anthem, if there ever was one. And Something in the Way You Make Me Feel. Shout out Angela Wimbush. And then her remake... um, of the Wiz showstopper "Home," that was reproduced by Nick Martinelli, a great '80s producer, did stuff, did so much stuff with like Mickey Howard and Regina Bell, just so brilliant. And this new version of "Home" was, of course, dedicated to her friends, many of whom were in the Wiz with her back in the day, and um, many of whom had died, had passed away due to AIDS. So. By 1991, um, like many MCA R&B acts like Patti LaBelle and New Edition, it was time for Stephanie to record her Christmas album, okay? So it was released in October, like most holiday records, because, you know, they need to get them out there early so they can get in their little stacks and they can put their little display together. And so everything's good in time for Christmas, you know, so it comes out sort of early. Now, I just being a Stephanatic, okay, so I bought the thing damn near the day it came out. So I was playing the album from October, because I was playing it, and I loved it. There were some dope new songs on it, and she had done classics like Silent Night with, um kind of rearranged, it and she was singing with an all-male, kind of take six-sounding um background group. So I was just feeling this Christmas record, and I was just playing and playing and playing it, playing it. Anyway, at the time, I was still living in my hometown of D.C. So one day, and I think this must might have been at the Kemp Mill Records in DuPont Circle. Y'all remember Kent Mill Records, D.C. people, DMV people? Um, I saw that Stephanie was going to do a concert of Christmas songs at Constitution Hall and if you know anything about D.C., DC Constitution Hall was the place where you, pretty much the only place where you'd see black acts in D.C. during the 80s and 90s, save for maybe the occasional show at the Warner Theater. So I was like, well, ooh, I love this Stephanie Mills Christmas album, and Stephanie Mills is doing a Christmas concert of her Christmas album. What could be better than that? So, of course, I get tickets to it and everything, and I'm just excited and excited and excited. Okay. So the night of the concert arrived, and I'm just so excited, you know, hear all my favorite Christmas songs, whatever, because I just love this Christmas album, Stephanie Mills that I've been playing. And I arrived and made it to my seat, and like, and I was with a friend, and like, it was kind of immediately evident from the vibe that most folks had not gotten the memo that this was supposed to be a Christmas show. I mean, I can't even tell you, the. it was just something in the air. And I think the show was really early. It might have even been like late October, early November. I don't even know if Thanksgiving had hit yet. I don't know if these people had had their Thanksgiving turkey yet before they was coming to this 70 Mills Christmas music show. So, I mean, that's saying that in their defense. But I swear, just the vibe, it was just kind of like you know, nobody was dressed Christmas-like. I ain't seen no reds. I ain't seen no greens. I ain't seen no golds. You know, the crowd was really mostly like, and it wasn't like families that kind of come to Christmas stuff. Like, it was all like male, female couples looking like they was on date night. And not even male, female, married couples. Like, it looked like this was that kind of date where, you know, you know, you take somebody to concert, you take somebody to dinner after the concert or maybe before the concert, and they get some after-dinner drinks. Anyway, you expect maybe something to go down after you go to a concert and whatever. It was that kind of vibe. Like, it was a real datey type vibe, okay? Um... So, you know, I'm just sitting there, you know you you be sitting, just be kind of checking out the crowd for a concert, and I just happened to sit to my friend, you know, I was like, I whispered to him, I was kind of like, you know, these folks know this is a Christmas show, right? Because it just really was not feeling very ho, ho, ho in the, in the Constitution Hall, if you get my drift. Just wasn't the vibe. Um, you know, like nobody was really talking. It was like couples, you know what I mean? It's just, anyway. So here go the curtain goes up and here comes Stephanie Child singing about Merry Christmas dressed like Santa all in red and white and like a Santa mini dress or something you know and I'm telling you from jump people's gotta like what the fuck is this <laughs> why is she standing on stage looking like she working in Santa's workshop singing about Merry Christmas and we trying to get up, you know. <laughs> we trying to get down after the show. Like, what is this? We trying to hear. I feel good all over because we trying to feel good all over after the show. And we not trying to feel. La 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 la. You know, I mean, it was just so evident from the beginning. <laughs> you know, so the crowd reaction was real cool, like real. You know, like um. Nancy Pelosi clap, you know, like real you know, when she's Christmas, but not immediately hostile. You know, it's kind of like people maybe thought, okay, maybe Chris, maybe Stephanie's just real into Christmas, so maybe she's, I do to see whatever. Just let her get her little few Christmas songs out the way before she gets into, you know, you know, um, power of love or something like that. You know, just let her get the Christmas out of her system. So that's why it was kind of like a, really, just a lukewarm response at first. But now, here comes, like, 30, 35 minutes into the show, and she's still talking about Jingle Bells and Rudolph and his red-ass nose and whatnot. <laughs> and people started to get downright hostile. Like, that's when people just start, like, I, uh, nah, I hear hearing no Rudolph the Red... My children at grandma's, like, uh uh-uh, we are not here for this. I did not pay this money, you know, get this, take these kids all the way to grandma's house, squeeze myself in this dress, got this man, uh uh-uh, not to hear. So it was very much that kind of vibe. So then this one guy in the audience starts yelling out, sing some damn love songs, sing some damn love songs, and you know, and the crowd was kind of like clapping along with him singing it. And Stephanie tried to, um, you know, ignore the person, like, rude off, off, you know, <laughs> she's trying to, like, play off, like, these people weren't, like, straight holiday shaming her up in her own concert venue. And then finally, she just stopped, she was like, Christmas is about love, you know, and they were like, Psss. so, you know, like, it was, like, an openly hostile situation the whole night, because it was just, I mean... I thought it was very clearly presented on the poster I saw as a night of holiday song, But that is obviously not how the majority of black D.C. D- interpreted Stephanie Mills' concert. And in fairness, you know how they like promote stuff on the radio and stuff like that? I did hear sometimes when they were just like, ooh, and Stephanie Mills is coming to town. Stephanie Mills, not, not Stephanie Mills is coming to town and bring a Rudolph and bring in a sad outfit. You know what I mean? So I think maybe that's where some of the confusion came in. But, child, like, it was just very clear that, you know, as the night then went on after that, and she's still talking about white Christmases and silent nights, and some people got up and just left, and then the crowd was just really not pleased. So, okay, and they were, like, sitting in their chairs, like, just with the arms folded, looking salty, all chill, with ice grill. I mean, it was like they had been chilled by, what's the name, the Snow Miser from the year, um the year without Santa Claus, like, they was just like, mm-mm. So, anyway. I was really into the show, but I wasn't trying to enjoy it too, too much, because like, my little gay ass was not trying to get jumped after the show, because it was DC after all, you know, so it's like, I was really, really into it. I thought it was a great performance. Um, the background singers, the Take Six-ish background singers were great. But anyway, so it was just very, very awkward. Okay. Okay. And, um, I think y'all know from how Stephanie Mills is on social media now and stuff like that, how she's not one to back down from a fight or something like that. So she's aggressively singing these Christmas songs. These people are aggressively not like, it's just a real awkward affair. Okay. So anyway, so at the close of the show, she finally does a song that people know she decides to do her version of home. Okay. Um, and so she's singing and singing and singing. And everybody knew because it was, I think it was like a number one record. But anyway, everybody knows that song that in, in the remake of Homes, there's that climactic moment when she says that her friends are shining down on her. And then they say, Stephanie, please sing my song. You know, it's a it's a very dramatic moment on the recorded version of the remake and something that people know. So. And I guess she had worked it into being a crowd participation part of her performances since performing that hit record, that hit rendition. So she tried to create, recreate the moment at, at this particular concert, and she was singing, "My friends are smiling down on me, and what do they say?" And she put the <laughs> she put the microphone pointed it toward the audience. Nobody said shit. Everybody knew she wanted them to say, Stephanie, sing my song. They ain't say nothing. And my little gay ass was sitting there. I was about, Stephanie. <laughs> just like I said, I wasn't trying to get jumped after the show. So it was just a very, very sad but moment at the time, but extremely funny. Um <laughs> In retrospect, because I don't think I've ever seen a circumstance with somebody singing a lyric, especially something you know everybody knows, and they try to do a little cloud participation, put that mic out, and don't nobody say nothing. Awkward. So, um, what's the point of this story? There was no point. (laughs) The point is just that I love me some 70 Mills Christmas album, and I recommend that I will put it on the Craig Pop Life podcast. But um also ever since that I have not now there is a point to it. I don't think I've been to a holiday concert since that. I just listened to my Christmas music in the privacy of my own damn home. And everybody if you invited in, you know you're gonna hear holiday music. And I know I'm gonna hear holiday music so there's no smoke. But um so the other, only other really significant—you know, when I was putting together this show, I was thinking, like, what are your significant Christmas m- music um, memories? And I'm just giving them to you, you know, as they were. The only other significant Christmas music memory I have is that— um The only time that I've ever interviewed Beyonce, y'all know I've interviewed a lot of people, the Janice, the Mariahs, blah, blah, blah. But the only time I've ever interviewed Beyonce was when she, Kelly, and Michelle were promoting the um, 2001 Eight Days of Christmas album, which I happen to love. Um, Yes, I love Christmas music. But I really feel like a lot of that during that time... Because you could be so free, like on a Christmas album, you could really feel Beyonce being experimental with the um, rhythm and the vocal arrangements and everything like that. So we discussed that in the interview, and I'm um, sorry if I keep sniffing, and I'll play that at the end of the show. But first, I just want to share with you some of my favorite Christmas music on that you will find on the Craig's Pop Life website. Um, yes, I have hundreds of songs that I love, but each year I make a shorter playlist to kind of focus on. So what I'm sharing is is my 2019 playlist it only has like maybe 30 songs on or some will only be like two hours and I will share that on both the title and the Spotify streaming platforms shout out to Spotify for also carrying the podcast so with this you get a little Mimi some emotions um a song by one of my favorite gospel singers sister Lucille Pope um you get some OG Merry Christmas not the Christmas album Merry, but you know, Mary did some Christmas joints before she did that Christmas album. And I, I really do think, I really appreciate what she did on the Christmas album in terms of how she had grown vocally. But I still like me some old Mary. So what you get on this playlist is some OG Mary Christmas. um, And then some Faith Evans, some SWV, and of course, some good old Stephanie Mills. So um, that's going to be on the website, that playlist. But then I also have some other Christmas music on the website that I really, really love, but, um, well, I'll get to that part, but another thing, you know, I always represent for um, my house music people, for house music, I feel that as black gay men, house music is our culture and our heritage, so I will always represent that even at Christmas time. So, anyway, producer Bobby D'Ambrosio has a great club Christmas album, Um, it's called Voices of Christmas, And it has some banging beats and just some singing, singing singing-ass people on it. There's a version of Luther's With a Christmas Heart that's fantastic. Um, So I'm going to put a link to that. And you can listen to it as individual cuts. And he also offers it a version of it continually mixed by um, DJ Kenny Carpenter. So as Black Sheep said, the choice is yours. You can get with this or you can get with that. Um, And I've also included on the Craig's Pop Life website some really super special um, songs that are super special to me, but they're not available for streaming. Um, And they're all disco-related songs. You know, disco, for me, is an era where, like, even though the singers were often anonymous, you really had these great singers. And I also feel like um, disco music is part of sort of an intersectional... Queer heritage. So, disco is very important to me. So, um, first song I have on there is The Rain Dolls Disco Santa Claus. That is a joint. I don't know who's actually singing. I don't know who's part of the Rain Dolls, but they can really sing. And I love that record. Um, and then the second song I have is Max Fagan, gonna have a Christmas disco party. I don't know who Max Fagan is, but Max Fagan does his thing on the song. It's like a, it's a, a very much a groove. So, I love that. Um, and then the third kind of disco song is one of my favorite all-time favorite Christmas songs, and it features one of my all-time favorite vocalists, Ms. Jocelyn Brown. And the song is credited to the South Soul Orchestra, and this is from their second Christmas effort, and it's called "You're All I Want for Christmas." So, very romantic song. Um, so check those out after you. Um listen to my interview with Destiny's Child, which I am going to play right now, and I'll be back on the other end of the interview.
2: Okay. We Hello. You there? Kelly. this Beyonce and Kelly? Yes. Yeah. Craig, let me just tell you before I leave you alone. Uh-huh. At less than ten minutes, if you take a second longer, I'm going to beat you up. <laughs> yeah,
1: I won't. Okay, well, let's start. Beyonce, okay. tell me about the, the production is so incredible on this Christmas album. How did you sort of... Go about envisioning what you wanted to do with these Christmas songs.
2: It was really cool um, because the Christmas album, I'm sorry, the Christmas song, the traditional songs were already written. Right. My favorite part is <laughs> arranging vocals. Okay. So I just had creative control to just do anything. Uh-huh. It was so cool to just be creative and do different types of versions of songs. Mm-hmm. I love
1: doing that. So it's almost like jazz, it's like you like, took a t- totally new interpretation of these standards, you know what I mean?
2: Definitely. I know my favorite is um, Carol of the Bell. Why is that? Because I, it was like a, like a canvas that we could just put anything on it, you know, a blank mm-hmm. canvas. Because there was no music, no anything. It was our choice, the key of the song, the tempo of the song, how many times we want to change keys, how many time, if we want to speed it up, make it slow, whatever. It was just, we could do anything we wanted, and that's what we did. And I know we took a lot of risks. There's a lot of minor chords, um, a lot of um, jazz um, influence, reggae, classical influence, all of that.
1: I was talking to Kelly earlier about This Christmas, which I think is probably my favorite cut on the album. Oh, really? And like, we just the fact that how you went into that and totally took out what's the traditional hook of the song uh-huh. and still made it work. Like, what did you decide to do that?
2: Well, it actually was something that I had to make work because we were in Japan and they told us we needed a song to be done that night. <laughs> and I didn't have any tracks. <laughs> All of my tracks were R&B tracks. Uh-huh. And um, I was like, Okay, one of these Christmas songs that has been made is gonna to have to go with one of these tracks. So the thing that popped in my head was the da 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 because it sounded kind of jazzy, and I know that wasn't a part of the song, but we made the music part of the chorus. And we just flipped it, and it actually turned out really cool. It's really different,
1: mm-hmm. it's really cool. Yeah, and I was talking to Kelly, too, about were y'all scared, like, some old-school people are going to, like, beat you up because you mess with, uh-huh. you know, that classic song, like, you mess with Donny Hathaway. And he's scared.
2: I, I was, the whole time, I was like, Donny, don't be mad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I respect him, and I love his version. Uh, I just hope that, you know, people are open to
1: change. Mhm. So, like, one thing, I mean, Your production, you have such an interesting approach to rhythm and the way that you start songs off. And, like, the track's already rhythmically all over the place, and then you're going to add some little vocal part to make the rhythm go another which way. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, how do you come up with that approach toward rhythm? Like, where does that come from, and how do you go into it when you're making a track?
2: I don't know. It just comes. I like different things. And sometimes Kelly and Michelle got to bring me back to earth because I will go left field. (laughs)
1: But, well, um, what would be an example? It, was it any time, like Kelly, when she during this thing where Beyonce was going one way, and you're like, "Whoa, that's too far out" or anything like that?
2: Yeah, that happened. Uh-huh. I mean, like in "Carolina Bells," at the end we were changing keys all these times, and it's like, "All right, girl, calm down." <laughs> Sometimes we have to do that. Sometimes they gotta tell me to calm down. Uh huh. But it's really cool because now we're getting older and growing as artists, and um, actually the first track that I produced totally by myself with Silent Night on the guitar. Okay. And um, you, you can hear our growth in it, and we're taking creative risk on this Christmas album. I just hope everyone likes it. I think they will, because it's traditional enough to, to relate to, but different enough to you know
1: learn something new so it seems like to you you thought of this like an artistic challenge which is different than like you know writing all the songs on Survivor or something this was more like let me see what i can do with well, what's already there
2: exactly what it was an artistic
1: challenge mm-hmm. great well do you have anything else you want to add to you know i know you're all ready to call it a day. so anything else you want to add about the christmas album or just
2: that, we, that oh i'm sorry You want that? that we want everybody to go out and get it that it's really different it's really unique it's not the same kind of christmas album you know, the traditional, solemn kind of feel. It is very upbeat. My girl Beyoncé really did a great job at making this sound different and making it different from any other Christmas album out there. So we hope that you enjoy it. Okay.
1: <laughs> Anything you want to add in closing words, Beyoncé? Or like, what Christmas album, I asked Kelly this before, but what Christmas album do you want this to be on the shelf with? You know, it's like, that's a great Christmas album. You want to be next to it.
2: It's like a 2001 um, Motown Christmas.
1: Okay. Wonderful. Well, again, great job. I love y'all's stuff. I love the emotion video. Thank
2: you.
1: And thank you very much and best of luck with the um, Christmas album. Tell Yvette I said bye.
2: <laughs> Alright, thank All right. you. Bye, thank you. Bye. All
0: right. So that was my interview with Destiny's Child for the Christmas album. Um, brings back a lot of memories, especially bringing back um, just, I had spent a lot of time when I was working um, with their publicist vet Noel Shore, um, she actually arranged my interview with Mariah that I know a lot of you all have listened to. And um, of course, she was Destiny's Child's publicist then, and she's still Beyonce's publicist to this day. So that's really show that is very rare, if not unprecedented in the industry for somebody to be with somebody so long. Um the only other relationship I can think of that long is maybe like Madonna and Liz Rosenberg. But anyway, she's just a wonderful person, very um feel like, you know, I just always felt very much treated with respect by her and treated the same way, whether I was at, you know, whether I was calling for a vibe cover story or the Washington Post or when I was, or if I was freelance, you know, I never felt where other people were really, you know, you could tell a difference in their voice, Um so you the same ass person you know you've talked to this person many times but just what you were calling about and the artist you were calling about and where you were at that point in your career and what person place you were writing for you could tell they were whole different people's in their voices but you know that was it's always been the same person um and you know I even saw her at the first on the um on the run tour and, you know, I was like, get that. And she, she was like, she looked at me. And I was like, it's Craig from, you know, Vibe Day. she's like, oh, Craig. And, you know, we embraced and everything like that. And, you know, had like a one second of chit-chat. And she snapped right back to work. Because it was the opening night of this tour. <laughs> you know, this first joint tour and everything like that. And she didn't have no time for play. And I just respect her so much for that. The way that she could, like, make me feel totally seen in that moment. And, like, you know, she embraced me and just... Exuded all this warmth, but yet at the same time nah, she had work to do, and she went on to do her work. And you know, it's very hard. It's that is not an easy skill for people to do. <laughs> and um, you know, she is one of those really, really special people. So I, 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 I to, you know sometimes you look at people that are super successful and that work with super successful people, and you don't really know exactly why that is. She's one of those people. I've never had any question why Beyonce still works with her because she's one of those people that. It's so focused on what she has to do, but she also has such a warmth and makes people feel so seen, even in, like, a very short interaction. So, um, shout out to her. But anyway, so thank you for listening um, to this podcast. I hope to have many more in um, 2020, along with getting y'all the Janet book. so, like I said, I just really appreciate all y'all for rocking with me in this 2019, for trying out this podcast, for thinking, well, damn, can I listen to this crazy-ass on motherfucker for, the, for 30, 40 minutes and all, it's just him? He ain't even got no guests? You know? <laughs> so, y'all taking the chance to rock with me like that. I appreciate it so much. And I hope y'all have a wonderful holiday, a wonderful new year. You know, um, time is an artificial construct, but I'm just so excited about, you know, Just, I don't know, just starting anew in this, um, with this new decade and everything like that. And, um, you all have given, by listening to this podcast, supporting this podcast, you all have given me such a, um, great point at which to start the upcoming decade. So I'm so grateful for that, and I really appreciate it. So again, um, thanks for listening, and check out the tracks in the playlist on the Craig's Pop Life website. I will be back with you guys sooner than later. And until then, you know how we do it. Be cool, be kind, be creative, and in the words of my fave, Y'all could not hear anything. It wouldn't be a Craig's Pop Life podcast if something didn't fuck up. So, again, I am so appreciative of y'all for listening. So much so that I bear my mistakes. Because I want y'all to know that I'm real. It's just me doing this. Ain't no polish or anything. So, yes, sometimes I do fuck shit but as I was saying, until next time, be cool, be kind, be creative, and in the words of my fave,
2: be your damn self.
0: <laughs> All right, y'all have a happy ho- Ooh, have a happy holiday, and I will speak with you soon. Love y'all. Bye.